All right, we are continuing through the letter of 2 Timothy here on the Listener's Commentary, and in this recording, we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. We're really beginning to wind down this letter that Paul wrote to his colleague in ministry, Timothy. And so at this point, where, where we're at is Paul has described the sinful people and the false teacher, and then Paul has begun to return to his expectations of Timothy. So in the previous paragraph at the end of chapter 3, Paul reminded Timothy of where Timothy came from and all that Timothy had learned from his family of origin and from Paul and, and in ministry with Paul. Now that culminates here in this paragraph in a charge from Paul to Timothy to faithfully carry out his ministry. And so early on in our last recording discussing the previous paragraph, 310 through 17, we really said that the key question that paragraph asks and answers is uh, this, in view of the sinful world and false teachers, what must Timothy do? And in 310 through 17, Paul told Timothy that he must continue in everything he's learned, the sound doctrine and the way of life he learned from Paul and from his mother and grandmother. Well, now here in 4, 1 through 8, we get the second part of the answer. He must not only stay faithful himself to what he's learned, but he must also teach and preach the word. Since scripture is so useful and so profitable, as Paul said in 3.16 and 17, Timothy must give himself to teaching and preaching and proclaiming it. And so Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4.1, very seriously, I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Now, we haven't gotten to the exhortation yet. We haven't got to the call to action. But we just need to pause right here at the end of verse 1 and take note of the fact of how Paul writes this. All of this speaks to the utter seriousness of the charge that Paul is giving Timothy. To preach the word, as Paul is going to call him to, to carry out his ministry. It's not just, you know, a casual thing. It's not just a career choice. It's not just something that maybe you do on a whim when you feel like it, because it kind of sounded kind of cool, or man, you really like hanging out with people. Now, I know Maybe Timothy didn't think that way. It's just that in the course of my life in ministry, I've actually heard people say those kinds of things for making the, the choice to go into ministry. But we need to hear the, the solemnity and the seriousness with which Paul is about to charge Timothy to carry out his ministry. It's a sober calling. Notice he says it's in the presence of God and King Jesus. That, that is before them. Like Ultimately, that's the one who's going to uh, examine and assess the way you carried out your life before him, before God, and before Christ Jesus. That is Jesus anointed as king. Notice it's also, he is described as the judge of the living and the dead. That is the one who will evaluate every person's life. And so, our life and our ministry is carried out before him and by his appearing and by his kingdom. That is, he's going to come again and he's going to bring his kingdom fully and completely. So in view of all of that, Timothy, here's the charge. Preach the word, verse 2. And when you hear preach, don't so much think a picture like a, a stage and a pulpit and a preacher behind that. I think it could include that. But the word preacher means proclaim, like a herald. Timothy is being 
called to carry out his life and ministry like a royal herald. He is to announce the message from King Jesus and about King Jesus. And so proclaim that, proclaim the word. And then this basic charge of preach the word is amplified in what follows. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready has the sense of stay at it, right? Like you continue in it. You continue to cultivate. You continue to do this in season and out. That is when it's convenient or it's not convenient. When you feel like it, when you don't feel like it. When people are responsive or people are not responsive or they're actually opposed to it. You stay at it. So be ready in season and out of season. Correct. That is, correct their manner of life. Reprove, point out error and lead them in the true way. Rebuke is the idea of admonish and warn and, and uh, help people change their way of life. Exhort is the idea of urge, call to action. It's not just passing on information. You're calling people to uh, a life change. So there's going to be a call to action this. And then he says, do this with great patience and instruction, patience with people, patience with the task, keeping after it, and great patience and great instruction. Keep teaching, keep explaining, keep helping people learn, keep helping people grow. And why is this so important? Well, Paul answers that in verse 3. This charge is so important, and he's giving it to Timothy at this moment for this reason. He says, for the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. So there's going to come a time when people don't like sound teaching. That's the idea of doctrine. It just means teaching. They're not going to like healthy, good, true teaching. It was true in Timothy's day. It's been true throughout church history. It's still true today. People don't tolerate sound teaching. They prefer other things. And so he goes on and says they're not going to tolerate sound teaching, but... And that word but is a strong contrast in Greek. There's a couple different words for but. And this one is strong contrast, Allah. Like, so rather, so rather than uh, tolerating sound teaching, rather than that, they want to have their ears tickled. They accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. In fact, the word order in the original language actually begins with after the but or the rather, uh, their own desires. It literally reads like this. Rather, according to their own desires, they will gather for themselves teachers who tickle the ears. Um, in, in other words, these are people who aren't interested in hearing the truth. And they aren't interested in hearing what's best for them. What they're driven by is their own desires. They want their own preferences and their own desires met. They want, therefore, their ears tickled. That is, they only listen to people who say what they, they prefer and what they want to hear. So every time they find a teacher who says what they like and who makes them feel good, well, they add them to their preferred list of teachers. That's Paul's point here. They accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own preferences and desires. And verse 4 says there are really two results of this. Uh, they will turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myth. Because they're so committed to their own preferences and because they're so committed to their own desires, there are kind of these twin results in the, their approach to teaching and learning. First, on the one hand, literally in Greek, that's what we have, is on the one hand, they turn their ears away from the truth. And so uh, if someone's speaking truth, 
they're going to turn the opposite direction. They're going to plug their ears. They don't want to hear the truth. And on the other hand, they turn and pay attention to myths. That is to fables, to fairy tales, to lies, to fantasy, to made up stuff. And so they don't like sound teaching. They're driven by their own desires. They get teachers who say things that the way they like it, what makes them feel good. And the result is they stop their ears from listening to the truth and they open their ears to fantasy and made up stuff. But for Timothy, in order to fulfill this charge that Paul is giving him to proclaim the word, to do so patiently and steadfastly, Timothy is going to have to be different. And so Paul says to Timothy in verse 5, but as for you, again, you singular, you Timothy, as for you, use self-restraint in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So there's going to be people that don't want the truth. There are going to be people who are interested in myths. They're looking for teachers to tell them whatever they want. But Timothy, you got to be different than that. You got to be committed to fulfilling your ministry. So he calls Timothy to use self-restraint. The idea of this word self-restraint is to be level-headed, to be sober-minded. Timothy needs to keep his head in the game. He needs to stay focused and alert and sharp. And then Paul says he needs to endure hardship. This particular word is just one word in Greek, and it means really to, to suffer evil, to suffer bad things. And then do the work, the, the call to proclaim the word and to carry out his ministry. It entails work. Do it. And specifically, the work is that of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. And this particular word, evangelist, is used in Ephesians chapter 4 of leaders that Jesus gave to the church to build up the church alongside apostles and prophets, pastors, teachers, are evangelists. It's also used in Acts 21 of Philip, who went about preaching the message of Jesus or proclaiming the message of Jesus. So here, like in Ephesians chapter 4, and remember, Timothy is in Ephesus, here it seems to capture up Timothy's role and work there in Ephesus and in the church at Ephesus of building up the church by proclaiming the message about Jesus. And so it kind of captures really his ministry. And so do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That is leave nothing undone, fill it up, carry it fully out. That's the idea of fulfill your ministry. Now, having given this charge to Timothy, Paul turns to why at this stage in time, it's so important, why he's urging this on Timothy himself. Even though he and Timothy have worked together so long, Paul's stating this now in such serious and sober terms for a very specific reason. So look at verse six. It says this, for explaining, for I, Paul, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. In other words, Paul doesn't expect a positive outcome from this imprisonment or his forthcoming trial. He's pretty certain he's approaching the finish line of his life and his ministry, and he describes it in two ways. He describes it as a drink offering, and that uses the imagery from the Old Testament offerings and sacrifices where a drink offering was poured out to the Lord. And so it pictures Paul's present situation and his approaching death like that, like wine being poured out uh, upon the offering before the Lord as a, a really a, a, an expression of gratitude and thanks and offering to the Lord. And then he also pictures it as a departure, which is a euphemism for death. The time of my departure has come. And so Paul is 
viewing that his ministry and his life is coming to an end. And so he's really kind of giving some final words to his colleague in ministry that he's worked so closely with for so long. And what he does then as he continues reflecting on this and on his ministry, he, he does it in a way that in a lot of ways continues to instruct and inspire Timothy by giving three descriptions of how he views his life and ministry. He says in verse seven, I have fought the good fight. This is an athletic metaphor, not a war metaphor. We got to make sure we hear what Paul is saying. It's like a boxing match or a wrestling match, which were common in the ancient world. There was a gymnasium in Ephesus where these things would have you know, happened. So it, it is that sort of metaphor, like maybe even just a generic metaphor of like a good contest, a good game, right? I fought the good fight. Uh, I have finished the course. That's the imagery of a race. I've, I've finished the, the race and I've done well, and I've kept the faith. I've been faithful to the end. And so he says in verse 8, in the future, there is reserved or stored up, laid away for me, like waiting for me. In the future, there is on layaway for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. In the Greek and Roman world, in some sort of athletic contest, the victor would receive a crown. We give medals. They gave crowns. And usually the crown was made of, you know, woven out of some sort of leaves. Uh, Paul is looking for the victor's crown. That's the idea of this word crown. It's a victor's crown. And it's specifically the crown of righteousness. That is the crown of ultimate final vindication and justification and righteousness, that he, he's in right standing with God. He's been right in proclaiming the message about Jesus. He's looking for that victor's crown, which the Lord will award. Not any mere human ruler or emperor or governor is going to uh, award for you know a race well run at a sporting event. No, the one true God, the living God, the righteous judge, he's the one that's going to award this victor's crown to Paul on that day. That is on the final day, the day where uh, of ultimate justice and judgment. And then Paul says, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved us appearing. In other words, everybody, not just the great apostle, but everybody who has loved the appearing of Jesus, who have kept the faith as they've waited for King Jesus to return again, they're going to get that victor's crown as well. And so as we uh, wrap up this section, uh, one of the things that this section really, uh, I think, speaks to us about is the importance of truth. Truth, not our preferences. That truth has to be the standard. We have to, we have to love the truth, love, therefore, sound teaching, even if it's hard to hear, even if it goes against our desires, even if it challenges our, our thoughts or our preferences. Our preferences aren't the basis for what we listen to, for what we believe, truth must be. We have to be truth seekers. And so we've got to love the truth and we've got to love sound teaching. And then the other reflection out of the section that stands out to me is, this is a very specific call to action to Timothy. And yet it reminds us that the Christian life and Christian service even though the details will look different from person to person and place to place and time, you know, from time, right? The Christian life is really a serious and holy vocation. And Paul invokes really this language of sobriety and seriousness right out of the gate to make this charge to Timothy because this is so important. And Paul views his life that way. Like he's, 
he's he's fought the good fight. He's kept the faith, right? He's been faithful to the end. He's being poured out like this drink. Even his death is like an offering to the Lord. And our life is lived before God as a serious and holy vocation before him. And your vocation and my vocation may not be identical in the details in which the way they play out, but our lives are an offering to God. Uh, and we are to treat them with the utmost seriousness because we know that we live before God. Someday we're going to stand before God and we want to be awarded the victor's crown for a life lived faithfully to King Jesus. All right, thanks for tuning into this session on the Listener's Commentary. As always, just a reminder that the Listener's Commentary is made possible because of people's generous support. It is a listener-supported and crowdfunded Bible teaching ministry. And it is made possible by a team of people who give $5, $10, $25, $50 or more. And they're the ones that make this ministry possible. So thanks a ton for your support if you are one of those who give regularly and faithfully to this ministry. And if you've been impacted by this ministry in some way, would you prayerfully consider joining the team? As this ministry has grown, the needs have increased, and there's really a need for increased admin help which I uh, could desperately use. Uh, I just need funds to be able to pay someone to do that. And so would you uh, prayerfully consider joining the team of supporters? And you can do that by going to listenerscommentary.com, clicking the Give button, and you can set up a recurring monthly donation right there. Or you can sign up for the Study Hub as another way of supporting this ministry. So in advance, let me say thanks a ton for your support.